Guys, how are you? Welcome back to the Jawbox Sessions. This is a podcast we're doing in collaboration with Jawbox Gin and Jerry White himself right here in Best of Belfast where we are sitting down with some of Belfast's hospitality legends. Jerry, lovely to see you again. Yes, great to be here again. Really excited. Got a wee fancy banner here today. We're really proper, James. It's wonderful to meet you. Great to have you on the show. Wee bit about James very quick before we jump in. So James McGinn, he's worked for Hasten Hotels over the last 27 years. He's now the managing director. James, you've managed presidential visits, Prime Ministerial visits, you've managed MTV live shows, you've been on 31 episodes of television, which I can't wait to hear all about. But the place where I would love to start is Kelly Clocker. Tell me, where is that and what is that? And tell me a little bit about your family. Everybody comes from Kelly Clocker. (laughs) That's what Howard, my boss, always says every time we introduce people. It's like, guess where they're from? (laughs) He says, Kelly Clocker. Kelly Clocker... is now literally just miles from Oma, and Oma has grown as has Killyclaher, so they're almost merging. But if you're from Killyclaher, you're from Killyclaher. <laughs> you're not from Oma. Um, so that's where I was born and raised. And God rest my late father built most of Killyclaher and a lot of Oma. Um, so all, all of my siblings. All nine living siblings still live in the village um, and work there, and some of them work together. And my mother is still alive, so my my mother's there too in the in the house. So yeah, all all, all my brothers and sisters, all of them still live in the village. Wow. I'm so, the one that left the village. Yeah, you, you're the only one that left. <laughs> I was the, the only one yeah. in the village, so I left the village. <laughs> That was a good reason. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I I went to Queens. I went to Queens when I was 17, 18, you know, at the A-level time. Um, And I only returned once. I lived in London for a few years. And then my dad actually built. My dad was a builder, obviously, um, and we had a hire business. And then my dad acquired, had a piece of land because he land banked and he had a piece of land that he turned and built himself uh, an American style roadhouse. So it was a, a bar, an off sales, a restaurant, uh, food carry out, um, fish and chip shop and then a like the, the equivalent of a maze store right. and 12 petrol wow. pumps and a ballroom. And it was called the Woodlander, Woodlander and he built it from scratch, from nothing, from a greenfield development. And and then I came home from London and worked for him in his hire centre. For here, yes, it was the cleanest hire centre <laughs> in all of Christendom. Best organisation, <laughs> really well organised, but I still couldn't use any of the planter yeah. equipment. So I worked there for a year, and then we opened the Woodlander, and I looked after the restaurant side of it and the catering side and then it it sold went 96 and then I went to America and wow. worked in America for a few years and then I joined Hastings and I've been with them ever since I've only had one real big job in Northern Ireland and that's been with Hastings right. Hotels. And when you were in America, didn't you graduate from the Cornell School of Well, when I was in America, I worked for Hilton yeah. and then when I came home, but since that, I've been back and forward yeah. to, to Cornell, yeah, and I did their 
excuse me, I did their big GMP program um, in 2011, oh. 2012. So I, I, I've been there twice yeah. doing different strategy programs um, and they're very prestigious GMP programs. So yeah, graduated from there and Ulster University in Queens. And your and your first taste and your love of hospitality, it started much earlier, really, didn't it? When you were about fourteen, yeah. And you went to work for your uncle. I'm sure. It's, yeah, my uncle owned. Uh, well, didn't own Peter. Yeah, yeah. he. Um, Oh, you might remember years ago, Jerry. If you do, you're not from the country, but Knocknamo Castle. Castle. It was yeah. massive in its time, and it literally was only a few miles from my parents' <coughs> home. And it had a big facade, like a really grand old yeah. hotel. And then in those days, now I'm taking you back to the early 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, I started there when I was about 15. 1450, cleaning glasses, ashtrays, on a Sunday night um, for him. And then as I got older, I moved into the waiter service, then the restaurant service, then banqueting, and then barman. So I kind of did that on and off right throughout Queens. Um, And then when I went to London, I worked in a fast food restaurant as well to supplement my income. Because the early 80s in London... (laughs) Were very expensive, yeah. very, you know, or the late eighties, nineteen eighty eight. I went there. Um, so yeah, so I've always been in it, and then Dad's business, and then Hilton, and then Hastings. Yeah, brilliant. So I've known hospitality my whole life. Your whole life, yeah, yeah. brilliant, Fab. brilliant. Yeah. And why were you? Are you the only sibling that flew the nest? Yes. And why? Uh, well, I wasn't going to get my hands dirty, was I? <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's when building and mucking in and using machinery yeah, and plants yeah. and you're like, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? In, in fairness, I, I never, uh, I was brought up um, when the boys, when I say boys, I talk about my brothers, like they were football hurling and all of that stuff. I mean, it killed me to have to go to school and do PE, <laughs> never mind anything else. So I grew up um, a love for literature and drama and theatre. So that kind of was the road that I went down. And I suppose something that nobody might know about me in, when I was 16, I auditioned for the National Youth Theatre of Great Britain. Oh, wow. Way back in those days, 15 or 16. And I got in. And I was a member, when you get, when you're in the in National Youth Theatre in my... Um, you, you actually are a member to your 21 and you go to London each year and you take part in productions. So that, was, I suppose, and then when you look at what happened with the TV show, yeah. you know, and that was my first, when I was doing my A-levels, I wanted to go to um, acting school, yeah. but I didn't get accepted. So that's why I ended up at Queen's doing... And you and you done Irish dancing as well, didn't you? I did do Irish dancing. Come on! Yeah, I did all the right things. I did Irish dancing. I did poetry for Score, wow. um, for Tyrone, uh, and for Kappa. Um, so I did all the very, as I Artistic used to say, sort of. the, very, very, yeah, more so than the boys that were doing hurling and football yeah. and all the rest. <laughs> I tended to go towards the, the girly things. Yeah. You know, that was. Um, the softer things in life, yeah, because sure. I, I was never going to be a builder. I was never going to work with machinery. Yeah. Um, so I carved out, and I probably was more an extrovert than my brothers are, um, to be honest. The, yeah, the boys are great, and they're great friends of mine, but they're, if, you met, if you met us, the eight boys, there's eight boys and two girls. Yeah. If you met us, 
we look similar, but you know, you would then <laughs> if you got to know us after about half an hour, you go, Jesus, where did they get he's James from? Yeah. Really My mother would often say that. Yeah, he's. I and don't you, know but I mean, you try and get home as often as you can. So I do. Yeah. Yeah. Very uh, close. Very family. tight family. Yeah. I was home there. I was working at the Everglades, so I was home Thursday, Friday. I go home this weekend as yeah. well. My mum lives on her own, so I do, and I very close to my two sisters and my brothers, but I, I go down quite a lot, as often as I can. Sure. Never more than three weeks, but, yeah. you know, I never leave it. So, home. like, what were the forces that took you out of Northern Ireland and what brought you back? Because a lot of people in your situation, they would have flown the nest and then maybe got swept up in somewhere, even like hospitality in Boston or wherever. Why did you come back home? Was it the family or...? Well... London was a choice that I, I, I wanted to make after Queen's um, and I suppose everybody wanted to go to London in the 80s and try and make it big but you do, and I studied accountancy when I first went there which I hated <laughs> um, and then I came back specifically because my dad was building this business I was his only child that didn't work for him yeah. wow yeah his only child of 10 children so then he had built this so I came home to work for him and when doing that I suppose I realised how much I didn't know so I'd gone back to university again and I was studying hotel and catering and then that transformed into hotel and tourism so I always had a great work ethic you know we were brought up like that so when we were I was doing that part time university and working full time then we lost the business I got a scholarship from Jean Kennedy Smith, was the ambassador to Northern Ireland at the time, and I got a scholarship that allowed me to go to America, and I went to America and worked there. And I suppose I came home just as the the Good Friday Agreement. Wow. Um, and I thought, well, there'll be loads of opportunity, won't there, in um, hospitality and tourism, and I missed the family, and, and, and. So uh, I came back and... I've been here ever since. Berlin. And I love Northern Ireland. Uh, yeah, I love Ireland. I, I just, yeah, I, the only reason we'd go to New York now is if you had a big fancy apartment in downtown and you could live that life. But <laughs> how do you beat the quality of life that we have? Exactly. It's yeah. very difficult. So true. So your presidential visits, tell me about them. Yes, it's been it's been a busy few weeks <laughs> um, for Northern Ireland. Great for Northern Ireland, great PR, and for Belfast and for our future. Um, and I suppose indirect indirectly, we were very lucky because Biden stayed at Grand Central with the Clintons in the Europa on Saturday yeah. at a private dining event, and then we had all we. I think John Chaslin, George Mitchell, Mary McAleese, Mary Robinson, people again in the Europa. So Grand Central certainly was the hub for all things presidential. And then at the other side of the scale was at the Clodden with all of the prime ministers. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So we recently had Rishi, um, Tony Blair and his wife were there last week. And so it's just been all go. But they're so very well organised, you know, it's just the drama isn't getting them in. It's not really in the looking after after that. But yes, and then I, I suppose we did the Clinton visit in 98 and um, Hillary's visit, I think, was in 2008 when she did the Vital Voices. Yeah. So, yeah, we've been... We've, we, I, have met 
quite a few of them over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What no, an opportunity! I, I, I didn't meet Biden, but certainly the, the Clintons and mm-hmm. a few of the past prime ministers and stuff. Yeah, it's interesting how you know these hotels. You know, you say Hastings, Hastings hotels, and they're iconic. You know, everyone in Northern Ireland has a connection to them. They've got a story about them, and it's amazing that like these world leaders now have a connection to those things as well. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Two presidents have visited Northern Ireland. One stayed in the Europa, gave it huge worldwide status outside of the fact that it's the most bombed hotel. (laughs) And then for us to have only opened Grand Central in 2018, to have had the second presidential visit hosted at Grand Central, you know, we're very grateful for that. And as you say... um, the exposure, Jerry, that that totally, gives yeah. to the building and to Belfast, like Belfast and Grand Central does look a wee bit New Yorkish, yeah. you know, in its whole presence. And so I think it was just amazing to see. Mind you, I mean, the place was locked down. You wouldn't have got anything anywhere. <laughs> you know. I'm sure all the plans that James has done months in advance. Months, with. months. But mm. it's really, and it's great because there's nothing bigger than the security for a presidential visit. So we managed to do that. The team, Stephen Meldrum and his team, managed that whole entire affair along with the American consulate. So, you know, that's a great prototype going forward. If you can come in and do that in the city centre, in a building that's 23 storeys high, and you can make it, you know, ideal for a visit, then, wow, the world's your oyster. Amazing. I mean, it's not that long ago that Prince Charles... Was there what That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, in terms of yeah, the new King Charles the yeah. Third and the Queen Consulate, they were Jerry, you were there. I was involved in that. You yeah. were one of our for the stands for the Yeah, local, you were one the of the projects. guests, the local yeah. projects. So yeah, they opened Grand Central yeah. in I'm gonna say two thousand and twenty. That would have been about right. Nineteen twenty yeah. and then we brought in we didn't do it ourselves, we brought in the local producers and let give them a tour of the ground floor so they got to meet loads of people. Howard, my boss, he was in charge of Prince Charles <laughs> and I was in charge of Camilla. Camilla, yeah. Camilla, yeah. So we, and then we met in the, in the centre. So yeah, it was that was amazing. That yeah, was, that was, that that was amazing, amazing also to have them um, be a part of of our new beginning with Grand Central, and again another great connection. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So you you come into hospitality, you know, at a young age, you're polishing ashtrays and cleaning out glasses, and then you go and you become a waiter and a barman and all this sort of stuff. You work your way through. When you join Hastings. Like, how quickly does it take you to figure out, actually, this is the type of work I really, really enjoy in hospitality? Was there something or a few situations that happened to you where, like, actually, see this whole people development thing, see this whole management side of things? I actually really think I'm cut out out for this. Yeah, the the people development and the management thing comes after. (laughs) (laughs) It comes after you do the the long hours and the hard work and all of that. But um, I think... I was very fortunate in my timing when I came back because Sir William Hastings had just bought the Europa maybe 18, two years before and had closed it for the first time um, and probably only time. No, we did close recently for something, didn't we? Oh, COVID. <laughs> I thought you were being funny there. <laughs> yeah. how, how did we forget the COVID Class. thing? Um, and then... 
he spent a lot of money in rebuilding the facade. Do you remember it was very... If you remember the old Europe, it was very straight up, straight down with the red sign. In fact, in our days, Jerry, it had the hot side. The hot side sign, you had to go through, you had to go through security yeah. and they had to search you and everything before That's you right. even get into the whip or saddle or That's the right. carriage rooms and then the, the penthouse in, in the top floor. So Sir William had bought it. Um, had plans and rebuilt it. So having come from America and been exposed to like the lovely hotels that exist in New York and and I, I'm not belittling anyone, but the Europa was that brand new pin. It was really shiny. It had marble floors. It had all the glitter and all the thing. And when I walked in, I thought, actually, my mum was with me. I thought. This is this is the place I really want to work, I think, yeah. of all the hotels that I've experienced. But working in America is very different to working in hospitality. When I joined the Europa, I joined it as the quality development manager, a very posh title, and it was all about the European foundation of business exit. It was all about EFQM, uh-huh. and it was all about business strategy and modelling and quality you know, total quality, ISO, etc. So it was a wee bit academic, but the amount that you had to learn, because this is Northern Ireland, it's, you know, you had to learn sales, marketing, every, every element of the business, which I did do. Yeah. Uh, and I focused, I focused really, really hard um, and worked really, really hard in my first years to impress the bosses. And I was, I was, a, I probably came back quite late you know, from America, I would have been about 28, 29, maybe 29, 28, 29. And, you know, coming back and restarting, I was starting. Nobody knew who I was. I had no yeah. reputation. Nobody knew me. So you had to work your socks off yeah. in order to make it, you know, and stand out, I suppose. Which you, only, which you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm hardly a shrinking violet, am I, Jerry? You know, and that, that probably is part of it. That's And that's not my work face either, that's my face. Yeah. Um, and it just, the work together, um, it is a job but, and it can be really, really pressurising and you go through some great highs and great lows. Um, but you either love it or you just will not want to work in it. And I happen, it's given me a great life. Mm. To well, I mean, hospitality is, I mean, it's it's almost a calling, well, like, isn't know. it? Yeah. And, and, and some people are brilliant at it, and those that are, they're better now. How many years were you in the bar? Just over 35. Yeah. Started when I was three. <laughs> 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 I tell people that as well. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, just I, on the wrong I side of 50, I think. I must admit, I'm, I just love the whole. Here's things ideal mm-hmm. where it's promote from within and look after your staff and the training and and everything gets done. And you're obviously a big part of the Hastings family. You know, you're. You, I mean, some people have called you James Hastings. Yes, they do. Yeah, every, every now and then they do. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, they they do. And I suppose not. I don't suppose. Um, it's worked for both of us. Yeah. You know, um, certainly I was quite close to Sir William and I'm quite close to the family you know you don't work with people for 27 years every day in and out so you know Howard, Aileen, Alison and Julie I know them really really well Um, obviously I'm closer to some than the other but I would be close with with them Um, and we've worked together and I've been good to them and they've been good to me you know so it does work Um, and 
they they were particularly good to me when after I had my accident and stuff yeah. and you know very very supportive so they're good people yeah, yeah. And, and we work well together I don't think they would adopt me or anything. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. But yeah, you never know. But the closest closest thing, yeah. I'm very close to the family yeah. and um I don't necessarily look upon myself as an employee. I have never meant to be feel like just yeah. an employee. And I don't like my people to feel like they're employ just employees. Yeah. We are all employees, but we have you know it's a new world post-COVID, so, you know, you talk about training and development. As yeah. I genuinely, genuinely believe um, people come before profit, but if you treat the people right, the profit comes naturally. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They're so focused, they're engaged, engaged. When they're disengaged, that's when the issue is. And they all feel part of the success of the story. And well, we do celebrate they, they, and yeah. all. We oh, do yes, make yes. it very personal. And, you know, we have our annual conferences. And, you know, we joke. I, I joke about my boys. You know, I know very sexist, yeah. you know, isn't it? <laughs> I, I have all my... Well, yeah, there's, there's some very talented females as well within the group. Um, but, yeah... You know, you take the likes of Stephen, he's come through the ranks. I came yeah. through the ranks. Andy has come through the ranks. Niall has, Scott has, James has. You know, yeah. as you say, Jerry, that idea of creating your own is very important because it's very difficult sometimes. It only works if your values match. True. If there's a mismatch of values, then there's a gap. So, it, and recruiting from outside with any, any business, any organisation, I don't believe an interview or two interviews give you a food. They give you a strong indication, mm -hmm. but do, you don't get the whole picture True. until you're in. And, you know, that's why you have your probationary reviews, etc., etc., etc. So, yeah, it's important to create an environment where they're valued, trusted, and they know you genuinely care. Yeah, yeah. And that and that, that comes across <clears throat> immeasurably. I mean, when you're visiting a hotel having a meal or having a drink, or even on the lobby lives and hotel people, it came across very well. I mean, there were some brilliant scenes. <laughs> and yeah. some scenes you were sitting going, oh my God, they kind of... Yeah, why are they allowing that yeah, to be filmed? Yeah. Well, in fact... But that, that, that was the honesty of the whole thing, I thought. It was brutally... Um, I know some people, and, you know, golden rule in life is don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. You know, nothing's that... You know, no one's died. You know, so, you know, say all you want to say. But I genuinely believe that that was... Um, as honest as you could get. Yeah. You know, there were two production crews, not one. So I, I was not in control. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were other people. There were four hotels, two crews filming for three months back to back. Um, and then they obviously go into an editing suite uh, and they make it. So, um, and we had no editorial rights. Yeah. So that's a lot of trust. Lobby Lives, which was 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, that was brave, 20 years ago, to do 25 episodes of light, live or of reality TV. <laughs> and thankfully, the <laughs> grace of God, Jerry White, there was no such thing. <laughs> the mobile phones and social media didn't oh, exist. True, yeah. Or I would have been dead. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, yeah. you can imagine your nights out. Yeah. Those famous Sunday nights. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, when you go, when you think of what the young people put up with nowadays, yeah. nothing is private. I remember, I remember one night um, coming out of uh, my partner and I coming out of um, Paul Rankin's restaurant, and in, we were in a cab, and this guy saw me sitting in the cab. And he was like, there's your man from Lobby Lives. He was furious. He wanted to drag me out of the cab and beat the life out of me. I'm not joking you. Um, and was calling me forever, only that the cab man was fantastic. Yeah. And, and actually, I think he was he was ex-army. He managed to get us out of there and lead me back to Europe. And he was so decent, he called in the next week to see if I was okay. Sure okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Mm. So there's the good side, and then there's the, the, there's the well, not so good side. You never think, I never imagine that there is that negativity towards. Oh, I think well, twenty years ago. Well, yeah, I suppose yeah. you can imagine life was different on the street when you used to walk down the street, um, and you were James McGinn. Um, whereas <laughs> with lobby or with hotel people, it was completely different experience. Completely different experience. There was no. I think people just loved, liked the show, yeah. and it wasn't intrusive at all. Nor and because I'm older, I'm obviously in my late fifties, so it was easier for me to. Uh, but the younger characters in it loved it. Yeah. But I think it was honest and it was real. It was who we were. We made mistakes. We fixed them. We did things really well. We took the praise. Um, and what was so different about it was we knew. We were going up against the likes of the Savoy, Claridge's, you know, all these very, 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 very posh, swish hotels. They weren't going to show that, you know, coming. I'm sure the same things happen, maybe in a, in a, different, a different way. But I think it was just for the production company. Coming out of COVID, it was the perfect reason to do it because yeah. you saw it when it wasn't so good. And the difficulty opening, like you'll probably remember yeah. too, opening up and starting up and everything that you had to do. And, and then the rooms were just constantly oh, changing. Jesus, risk assessments and we need to have, <laughs> we need to have to spray everybody by the time they went to the <laughs> toilet and you reduced your capacity to half, your housekeeping. I mean, when you reflect upon what we did go through, it was really, really enormous yeah. and probably never happen again in my lifetime but then to try and readjust recalibrate uh, and um, and go at it again yeah. and you know get the hotels up to that to functioning at that speed the speed at which they're now running yeah. you know um, and I think the whole employment thing has settled itself slightly yeah I know because I mean I think everybody because COVID sort of, <clears throat> a lot of people had to be let off. To, a lot of people went to different jobs. A lot of people went to likes of Amazon or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they went, oh, this is a different lifestyle. Yeah. I finished at 3 o'clock on a Friday. I don't work Saturday, don't work mm -hmm. Sunday. So they had a different quality of life. And a lot of good people were lost to the whole of hospitality. Absolutely, yeah. But there seemed to be a new breed of young people starting to come through now. Yeah, I think there's there's quite a strong campaign going on at the moment, and rightly so, mm -hmm. to try and encourage people back into the world of hospitality. Yeah. Because as I say to people, and you'll know this, Jerry, if you have no cinemas, no theatres, no restaurants... No bars, no nightclubs, no hotels. If the world of hospitality can't sustain itself, 
life would be very boring. Yeah, mm. there was no life. You know, yeah. you know, it's it's the fabric of the community. Yeah, that you know, outside of the church and all of the other things, exactly. yeah. it really is the fabric of the community that allows us to to live. Yeah, to an extent. So understanding within that, there's a breadth of qualifications. Like the majority of my managers would have degrees. Mm-hmm. You know. There's engineering, there's food science, there's just loads of business accounting, sales, marketing. There are so many opportunities that exist within our business. And what I tell people is that it's fun, it's interactive, it's a bit sexy, Mm -hmm. depending on where you work, you know. And it's all about food and fashion and it's fast moving and you really, I think you really get to learn so much and your senses are heightened yeah. through all the interactions that you have. I mean, it almost is like a big playground, but then there are the rules. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and it, if you enjoy it and you love it, just like you do, you go anywhere in the world. Mm. You can work anywhere in the world with hospitality. And I, think I think that's the amazing thing if you have the cur- when you're young and yeah. you have the courage. I would tell people go away, work abroad for a few years, because then you'll bring all that skill home. Exactly. And then you get to our age and you don't want to move away and you don't want to you know do things like that. You're very happy and and, and settled, but you can go anywhere. Totally. And I, there's no doubt about. It. I honestly believe, and I've said this in other ones. Irish hospitality, nobody does it better than us. So whenever you go away, they want you. Yeah, it's very genuine and, you say, you and authentic. Pick up other yeah. sort of qualities and ideas that then you can bring back home with you. Yeah. And there's also, I think, a lovely feeling of family within the. We all look after each other in the hospitality. Yeah, industry. it's a community, isn't yeah. it? Really, there is a community that exists. Um, you don't have to see everybody every day, or exactly. you, but when you meet up with people, it's a genuine, yeah. a genuine connection, and we know what we're all doing. Um, well, I hope after all these years, <laughs> we have a fair idea what we're doing. But there's a, there's a respect and an understanding. And I think what we try to do now is bring a, a professionalism to it. You know, yes. It's a huge industry with many different sectors within the tourism um, scope. I mean, there are so many. But again, they ask you what's the common winning skill or attribute that you need. And it's attitude. Mm. It's totally attitude, you know, and that not... You're never subservient, but you like to serve. Yeah. You like to please. You like human connection. You're highly emotive. So I think all those things come to the fore. Mm-hmm. And you do see people shining because they naturally do it. But some skills can be learned as well. And, you know, there are reasons why we need accountants, you know, because oh, they totally. love what they do, <clears throat> you know. So I think it's just working on the traits that exist within. That's why values are so important when you come to pick your career or even within hospitality, what particular area, you know, if it's human resources, well, that is a completely different skill set and, you know, um, traits and attributes associated with it. So I think wonderful opportunities, you know, Mm. if we were younger, you know, and again, look where you've ended up, Jerry White. Exactly, and that's all because it started in hospitality. Yeah, <clears throat> and in a bar yeah. and curating drinks and all of a sudden you have job box yeah. around the world. It's like, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm unbelievably extremely proud of it, but it never would have been possible 
for the my hospitality family here, and then the support that I got when I first launched Jawbox. I mean, the support was there from the very, very start. Yeah, but I mean, from the humble beginnings oh, to yeah, where yeah. you are now, oh, yeah, and yeah. the product that you have, I mean, it showcases not only you, it's showcasing one of the best gins from Northern Ireland oh, any around doubt. the world. Yeah, without any doubt. Like, that's incredible. So, you know, believe in dreams, you know, you, anything can happen. You know, I think the most important thing to remember in life is enjoy now. Yeah. Right here. The past is gone. Well, for most <laughs> of us. Um, and then it's just embracing the future and being the best version of you and taking every opportunity. Like I do genuinely believe, don't take yourself too seriously, you yeah, know. Totally. Yeah, because come on. <laughs> we are all in the same world and we're going to live and die. It's what we do yeah. in the remainder of that that's the most important thing. And in doing that, you can bring out, or you can also bring out the best people as well. And that's when you get to our age, yep. that's what you understand. Mm. As the teenager growing up and everybody tells, you oh someday you'll realize or you'll appreciate you actually don't then but you do now you know so now it's my responsibility and my role to create the right opportunities for the younger people and for them to learn and develop and skill and all of the rest and it's for me to do the same for the remainder the remaining years that I have left you know retirement's probably not that far away you know uh, but it's to do learn and do and keep developing and moving forward and same time living your best life yeah, if you can yeah. so yeah look quick costume change I don't know we didn't plan it exactly right where we were all wearing the same thing but James had to run the last time and we decided to get him back to finish us off James thanks so much for making the time again to come back for this part two in the middle of the first episode this is a, a first for us oh really <laughs> well thank you for having me back but I suppose that's a little bit like great TV when they watch an episode of any of the programmes that I did, I could have four outfits on. And nobody, <laughs> nobody really notices, you know. 100%, yeah. So there might be a continuity area, but that's okay. We'll pick up where we left off. One of the things Jerry and I were saying that we'd love to, to jump into is some of the stories. So, like, so far we've talked a lot about kind of, like, you know, the journey so far. I want to get some nitty-gritty stuff. And there was something about locking a colleague up in a bathroom. Oh, yeah. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, that's that's actually that's a, that's a super story, um, and it's a true story, every single word of it. Um, so it was. I, I'm going to go back. Um, I'm saying maybe ten, twelve years ago, Jerry, before the apartments became the place to to to, to live. However, Great Victoria Street, um, we had a slight issue with. Um, working ladies, um, <laughs> let's put it that way, and it wasn't just um, restricted to the Europa. And the police had been involved and we had a, a few a few meetings. And prior to anything, the only way that we would ever know if any irregularities would happen would be via the maids, you know, because they they're on the floor, so or the senior people, or whatever. But we were made aware of, of this particular website um, for escorts and things, and, and I suppose in order, but these sites would tell you where they're operating from, so they would have, could have said, we're in Belfast, we're in Oma, we're in Newry, or whatever. So any, we, we were highly suspicious of one anyway, so 
Long story short, we called the number. I got one of my <laughs> operating managers to call the number. This is True Bill. The phone bounced to the UK. Right. Was answered in the UK, and then they obviously went through some kind of verification that it was an authentic call, which was fine. Took the number, bounced back. True story. Told to go and stand outside the clock. No way. In Robinson's. Right. So they had obviously already checked in, booked a front-facing room so they could check out the glib of the client. So <laughs> we followed it right through, just because you can't make accusations. You've got sure. to be yeah. fully aware. And it wasn't that it was a bit of fun at those stages. It was probably high drama, you know. Um, and anyway, poor Stephen did that and then was like, oh, you've got an appointment. <laughs> you passed the, the window test. Yeah, you passed the window test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucky old you. Um, so I think it was another colleague and I went with him to the room and we were like outside and we were like, listen, don't worry. As soon as you're in and we think it's time to call the number... <laughs> We're becoming right after it. And this is really, really bad. This is really bad. <laughs> we were we were outside. I think it was the other Stephen and I were outside and thought, oh, we'll give it another wee minute. <laughs> <laughs> Make him sweat oh. a wee bit. <laughs> and, and if you knew, I had two Stephens. If you knew the first Stephen, he is like oh, so straight-laced and so down the line and completely, yeah, it was a slightly unfair. <laughs> anyway, knocked the door, um, and management and all the rest, and went in and said, you know, reason to believe, negligee on, um, how dare you, you know. The, and I says, well, Stephen. <laughs> Stephen was bucked into the, the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had closed the door. And by the time we opened it, he was drained. <laughs> Of white, absolutely drained white. So he had left him a little bit too long in the room as the lady was getting comfortable. So yeah, that that that's the, that is a God's honest true story. Um, funny at the time, funnier after. Yeah, but yeah, I'm glad we didn't leave it any longer. Oh my yeah. goodness, hundred percent. Stephen had been running out the door, <laughs> climbing out the window. He'd been climbing out the window. But it's crazy, you know. You really are like. In a hotel, you're dealing with everything. Like, it's not even something that would have been on my radar until you were talking about it, but of course that's just something you have no, to deal with. Well, you know, um, I suppose in the world of hospitality and hotel keeping and innkeeping, it's, there's two things. You've got to have a huge element of confidentiality, mm-hmm. but you've got to also be able to call it out if it's not right. But again, doing that at the, at the same time, it's like, you know, you can't go around telling everybody who's staying where right. because particularly the the bigger they are, the more security and the more interesting. They choose you for a particular reason yeah. Yeah. and that's for your discretion, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, there's a few good old stories that could be told over the last <laughs> 25 years. I yeah. bet. What else? Give, give us another one. Probably... Well, obviously, I mean, it's played out. I'd say MTV was probably the best experience of my life. You know, that was 2012, where they took the hotel, spent a fortune, 
and turned it into a super club <laughs> over a weekend. Um, and it was just purely phenomenal. The streets were closed. It was like something that you would have saw in London or L.A. And you know, all these megastars, Justin Bieber, Selima Gomez, Jesse J. And the list just went on and on and on. Because were you at the show, Jerry? Yeah, in the um, SSE SSE Arena. SSE Arena, yeah. yeah. But they'd moved into the what was, for example, Paradise Lost. That's right, yeah. They turned it into a <coughs> restaurant and a nightclub. had the green room on the roof. It was and amazing. They, yeah. It was just they turned our ballroom into a five-tiered... What? ...cream nightclub. What? Five-tiered of cream leather. And every VIP had their own butler and their own station. And they took the lounge, the piano lounge, turned it into Club Tropicano. Mm. I mean, it was unreal. It actually nearly was unreal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, probably the biggest, the biggest event that I've ever done in my entire life. Wow. It certainly, yeah. it certainly would be the biggest event that Belfast ever hosted. Yeah, I think. possibly. And yeah. Done it so well. I mean, I can remember. I mean, the I concert was, was in the SSE. We were the home of the after. Yeah. Or, yeah. And I remember like the flu and all these models of every gender so that they were all like playing and there were people coming in thinking is this a super club because <laughs> yeah. it just went from floor to floor and, I mean, they, and they were upstairs as well they, they, these guys were coming over months in advance wow. booking out Some restaurants months. booking yeah. out bars yeah. and then I can remember the, the yes, place there was coming. loads of after show parties oh, it was massive oh it was just the whole city yeah. sort of the, <clears throat> and it went brilliantly and I can remember the police coming around and going well look I know the law is. It was a Sunday night. It was Sunday night, and he says yeah. you have to close at twelve. That's the truth. It was a Sunday night. But he says what I, I says all I will tell you is, you'll not I be. guarantee you that there will not be any license inspections. Jerry, you're right. You've just brought, yeah. brought to my mind because there was a whole licensing thing, yeah. and it was like <clears throat> we're breaking the law, but here's an unspoken yeah. rule. So he just said like because it oh, was what against licensing law. Wow. We will not. Be doing any license um, inspections before 3 a.m. So we wow. went to stay at the bar open. But <clears throat> the John Hewitt being the bar it was, it was just all the three regulars punters, and we were going to be like, you're all right. There's loads of people about the town, loads happening, so you can stay on. Fuck no, you know what? It's my time. I'm going to head on. So they were just, up to start normal at the end, but I, I remember going there, and it was just, it was unreal. Yeah, it really the people was. that you were just passing in the corridors yeah, yeah, really from a was. different world and, lo- and loving the city yeah. as well. Imagine having oh, the vision absolutely. to walk in and being like, Do you know what this room could be? A five-tiered cream leather club. Honestly, <laughs> that's just honestly, that's beyond it was, me. And in our, our holding room down below, they built a cinema on one part of it what? and a checkered bar and they also and in the ground floor where you actually come in, they created this whole amazing entrance because you could only come in through Glengall Street. Mm-hmm. You couldn't come in through the main hotel. <laughs> Up this, and then to the left was a restaurant, then a full-blown disco, or club, and then upstairs a cinema room and another room, and then upstairs the ballroom then fed out into the tropical lounge, which was the full floor of the thing. Wow. And Brian May was there. Everybody was there. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. The Hoff. He was there too. That's right, yeah. I mean, loads of people when you cast your mind back, but it was really. And of course, in the world that we're in today, when we're struggling for staff, everybody <laughs> wanted to go. Because <laughs> I think the tickets to go were about £1,500 to purchase yeah. at different scales. So that was it. That was a really great event. Mad. 
Yeah. What about that? Uh, go ahead, Jack. No, I'm just saying that proves what Belfast can do. Yeah. You know, yeah, because shortly, af- yeah. shortly after that was the Giro. That's right, yeah. yeah. So that was like a really... And I think really we'd have done it and if, it have, if we had have got the Eurovision there. Um, That's right, I, they were contender for I, I it. Yeah. we had have done an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, Liverpool done a fantastic job. But yeah. I think we had have done equally as good a job if we, if we had got it. Yeah, yeah no, certainly any opportunities that we've had to showcase with big signature projects. Yeah. We've managed to pull them off really quite well. Because the Giro again was humongous for the city. Yeah. And, and, and the coastline, obviously. Absolutely. But now we have all our own attractions. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, drugs? What about guns? What about, you know, have you ever had any close calls? Oh, me personally? Oh, not, not necessarily. Whatever it, way you want to take it. it well, I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, drugs, drugs, obviously, was just something... At a particular stage in our growing up and in our industry, but maybe more the nightclub industry where, and I don't know what it's like now because I'm way too old, but certainly you would have had occasion to, to, to know if people were, and it was always off the back of a toilet, isn't it? Isn't that the, the usual thing? But yeah, certainly we wouldn't be, uh, haven't been unknown. In my earlier days, when when I when I managed, believe it or not, I used to manage um, the Elephant Club mm-hmm. for a few years when we were first there. And I hated Monday mornings because I was always sitting down with the superintendent or the sergeant <laughs> of the area. Because again, it, it kind of if that wrong culture gets in, then the, it doesn't suit the brand. Yeah. Um, particularly um, me personally. Um, Look at his face. <laughs> Look at his face. Probably, yeah. And it never really became a momentous moment in my life, though it was. Um, uh, at one stage, uh, I say it very quickly and things. At one stage, I was held up at gunpoint. Yeah, uh, and a substantial sum of money taken from me Whew. on daylight on a Wednesday afternoon in East Belfast. Wow. So, yeah, that was quite a momentous occasion. Um, and I literally could see them. I could nearly play it in slow motion. Now, as could the poor guy that was in the car that travelled with me. We were banking at the time. And we were banking in, in East Belfast. And obviously my car was followed. And as I got out of the car, two masked gunmen appeared out of a, a hedge. And then that there was an altercation. And then... Obviously, a, a, a instrument was was produced, and the young guy opened the door. I was driving a Mercedes, so I could lock it inside. I'd locked it and bucked the keys away. Just pure instinct. I'm, yeah, hardly, yeah, yeah. I'm hardly Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good going. But it was just pure, pure instinct, and then the guy opened it. Um, and it was quite unbelievable, because in those days, I'm going to go back. I know it was the Queen's Jubilee. Um, whether which jubilee I can't remember, but I'm definitely going back about twenty, twenty two, twenty three years ago, because I I joined Europe in two thousand and three yeah. again. So that would be right because my sister was born on the golden jubilee, so, and, that, and she's that age. So it was actually it was a double bank holiday. So it was the bank holiday, the Sunday and the 
the Monday and the Tuesday. So we banked on the Wednesday, that's yeah. correct. Mm. So it was a double bank holiday, so I had double the takings. Oof. And yeah, so yeah. But you know, it was one of those things, and in fairness to the man that he was, with the two men, actually, um, it happened. The police came, separated myself and my colleague, and we were taken to Strand Town and went through all the usual, because believe it or not, even when you're a victim, there's a whole protocol that you've got through. Did we know each other, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. really. Um, but then I drove home to, to my parents' house that evening um, and was with my folks anyway. My dad was like, just brush yourself down. And I was at work the next day. My goodness. Mm-hmm. And Sir William Hastings came in. He never mentioned a penny. He never mentioned them. He just said, are you okay? Wow. Yeah. And I said, yes, I think I am. So you say like at the time it wasn't a momentous moment? But I, I don't put it, I mean, you asked me a direct question. It's not something that I would tell everybody or it's not something that I would bring up often. Yeah. And yeah. It's not something I would put down as a <clears throat> career changing or yeah. highlight. Or yeah. It's just one of those things. What was more momentous was quite a few years later, one of the party involved admitted to it Mm -hmm. and it ended up going to court. Then it became momentous for me because I I was extremely worried at that particular time Mm -hmm. because I was the GM of the Europa at that time and all of a sudden somebody was going in and claiming their sins and added me to part of their... Sin bin. And then you sort of you almost have to relive it all again. Well, well. it just it just came to the fore again, yeah. and it was being the CPS was Crown Prosecution Service was was it became <clears throat> a case. Yeah. Um, that went as far as it could go. So yeah, it's just one of those. You know, when you go to write your book, tell your children not <laughs> likely, but yeah, when you reminisce, it's like the Stephen story. It's just one of those big stories. Mm. You know, in in, in your in your career, you know, that's that's just, it is, it could have been a bigger story, but yeah, uh, luckily it was handled well. Yeah. Fascinating. Unbelievable. Very fascinating. Across the road from the Europa. Robinson's. <laughs> Across the road and round the corner, there is a homeless shelter. Yes, Belfast Homeless Shelter, yeah. I love how immediately went to Robinson's. Robinson's. Yeah. That's brilliant. I knew, I knew, and do you know what? I think if I'd been in, Rob- in all my career, if I'd been in there once and had one drink, that might be it. <laughs> but the staff like it, so that's why I don't go in. They go in and I, at the end of an evening, yeah. You do a lot of work with the homeless. Why is that something that's important to you? Well... Or- or how did you how did I get, get into, into that? Maybe would be a better way of approaching. Well, obviously, I I'm not married. I I don't have any children. Um, so I I have been on a few boards. Um, people invite you to sit on boards, but when I inherited the Europa, uh, I kind of inherited a, a a charity called the Flax Trust, that's run by Father Miles and Sister Mary and the Board of Trustees and Flax Trust, which they're based in North Belfast, up where the mills are, uh, and that's where the office. So I joined their board, uh, and obviously they specialise in 
intercommunity work for you know between both sides of the communities and they do that through education through music through community work through schools mm-hmm. and various multiple projects buildings everything and they do that both here and particularly in North America so I sat on their board and still do um, I have a great affiliation with the two formidable characters Miles and Mary um, so the Belfast um, Homeless Shelter actually was something that Miles had asked me to assist a lady uh, called Liz Rocks who, who was running what was then a different shelter attached to a church. Now the church was had decided to move premises and was leaving and they wanted to disband the, the, the homeless part of it. Um, so sort of I come in to broker um, Miles had asked me, and it just so happened I knew then the the the, the I, I knew both the church and and the the, the pastor that yep. was involved in it. So I was able to broker a a, a more or act as a some sort of conciliation between the two of them, so that the parting was bittersweet, but more sweet for us than it could have been bitter. And then at the same time. I got to know Liz and the work that she was doing and AWARE, I used to sit on the board of AWARE as well and I kind of have an affiliation with mental well-being and mental health, uh, me personally, yeah. but also without going through that all that road, uh, but also the compassion and the scope of the work that they were doing voluntarily um, in this one building and all they needed were some people to help them build or re-cement the foundations of what already was a, a, a very worthwhile um, charitable offering and an indoor one and one that was working mm. you know from an operational perspective um, I suppose that was 2019, three years later, we're still trying to build the foundations of um, a business, a sustainable business that we can offer throughout the city of Belfast. Because we currently, now I say we, it's really they, they, I'm only a conduit that helps this happen. Liz and her team, they, they provide services, everything from clothing to food to signposting, you know, they're all trained in Aloxan. And they've built a community that assists in Belfast for people who are on the streets. Mm. The people come in and just to speak to people or we have a, a recreational room, they get fed. Um, some people just arrive from prisons on buses, no money nowhere to sleep that night so we provide sleeping bags and, and then in addition to us we're indoors you have people's kitchen in north belfast and you have about 20 other volunteer groups on the streets each night of the week different people on different nights doing different things but they're all doing the same thing they're trying to look after those in our society who are vulnerable and in need of something and it's quite it's quite humbling. I, I brought them all together last November and tried to create a network 
of communication among mm-hmm. ourselves so that we know who's doing what on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because we're only three mm-hmm. nights a week and someone's only two nights a week and some are on street or some are driving around. There's even a double-decker bus that's turned into like eight beds for people to sleep oh, wow. on. I mean, the amount, the amount of goodness out there is huge. Mm-hmm. The amount of sadness is overwhelming. Yeah. Currently, between those that have um, drug-dependent problems or alcohol or whatever, and the amount of deaths recently mm-hmm. have been quite staggering, and very young people, and lots of them young women. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been quite very in the headlines quite a lot at the moment. So there's a great need. I mean, through that, then we meet Belfast Mission, East Belfast Mission, Belfast Central Mission, and everybody everybody has got the same aspiration, uh, as do council and all of the other. But it's just, there needs to be a catalyst for a master plan because I genuinely believe that the city of Belfast deserves to have not a food bank kitchen, but they deserve to have a resource that's yeah. a safe environment, Monday to Sunday, where they get not necessarily accommodation because that brings a but somewhere where they can come mm-hmm. in a respectful, dignified fashion, even though they have multiple issues, yeah. whether they're physical or mental or whatever, they just need somewhere where they can go and find shelter um, and um, communication and respect. And there's too much of it on the street. Yeah. And if there was a shelter where they felt they could come to, you know, quite recently the council did pass uh, motion or legislation to say that there should be somewhere for the safe taking of drugs <laughs> and injecting drugs. You know, if you give them a safe place to go, uh, and then that reduces a whole lot of risk that's out in in on the streets and and in society yeah. in general. So I think we're in a part of a journey. Yeah. We're we're an emerging city. Um, we're certainly growing in loads of parts, but you got to take care of the fabric within the city when the lights go off, yeah. you know, because of the creatures of the night and all of that, if, if you are if you don't see them or you choose not to see them, mm. then you won't deal with the issues that yeah. will stop it from being a great city. Yeah. It's like you said about the, the nightclub, you know, if the wrong culture gets in, it can cause a lot of damage. And I think we have a, a good opportunity to to facilitate people and help them before things get bad, you know, before things get out of hand, before the numbers start increasing. Like we should live in a city where, you know, the numbers are, are next to non-existent and it's supporting people on that journey. Well, I think that's very aspirational. I don't think that would actually ever happen because, believe it or not, um, there are some people even if accommodation was made available, mm-hmm. still prefer to sleep on the streets. Yeah. yeah, You know, but if you can imagine in the middle of winter or something, or even when it's not mild, it's... And you see, unfortunately, it, it, you see it everywhere. And you, I, I'm not out to see if anyone or do that. I wouldn't profess to do that. But at least what we have, they come to 60, 70, 80 people of an evening. Yeah. You know, if I even was able to do that seven nights a week, 
yeah. and then extend it to lunchtime yeah. and then extend it to signposting or having a doctor's or having a medical facility for them or a housing executive, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere where people could give them life and the, the opportunity to build a new life. Yeah, yeah. and that's a, I think that's the key word. It's the opportunity, isn't it? Yeah. Because as you say, you're 100% right. Not everyone will make use of the opportunity. No. But it's important that the opportunity is there. Yeah. yeah. I and mean, I, I, I nearly ashamed to say I wasn't even aware of the project, James, mm-hmm. till I watched hotel people. Mm-hmm. And what came across unbelievably was your own love and compassion mm-hmm. for what, what you did, what you were able to do. And I know you're going to be very humble and very modest. Yeah. But it was unbelievable. People would say that I'm neither humble nor modest. <laughs> well, in, on this occasion, you certainly... Yeah. Well, I think I am. In all occasions, you know, the big I am that people might see is certainly me, but yeah. it's not something that's really demonstrated a, a, yeah. a lot, certainly not in, in my my later years. I think if you've ever been touched by, like, anything like that in your own life or your own circle... <clears throat> The vulnerability is it's palpable, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you can taste it, feel it. And at that particular time that they caught me on camera, and I was particularly vulnerable because a particularly young man had spoken to me just moments before. Like, you only think you have to carry a load. Yeah. You know, when you just listen to him, I thought, you know, what we do is so very little. But to them, it means the world. It's so much. Yeah. It's so much, you know. And what does it take to go over and spend an hour with them? And exactly, exactly. You know, yeah, you, totally you, agree. You you get as much out of it as they do, and um, and you could see it by their reactions as well when you did give oh, them to the me. Time, yeah, you? yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. Because you know. They see James, but they think you know it's James, James. Yeah. You know, whereas. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 worthwhile. It, it it can be difficult for the volunteer. We have sixty volunteers. You know, I don't volunteer. I don't train. I'm just there as a support. The, yeah. Those girls and gentlemen are magnificent. Yeah. yeah, I think what's kind of stood out to me is isn't it interesting how the world of business has given you important skills that you've been able to deploy in this area. And the second thing is, when you were talking there, it kind of stood out to me that you have dedicated yourself to a life of service. And I know that's very awfully, awfully, but it is the truth. And we were talking, you know, way, way earlier in the first half of the conversation, kind of joking about retirement and stuff. How do you start to approach that concept of retirement? Because you don't necessarily strike me as someone who will... uh, you know, just go on the beach every day and sip my ties. Though maybe there will be a period where it's right that you do that. No, I would say, no, no. I'd say in my days, I probably sip too many my ties. <laughs> you know, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely, I am the person who I am. But no, Jerry probably would know it. Like in my younger days, absolutely, I would have, um, well, Lobby Lives, you know, the first TV show in 1995. It very much threw me into the the the, the um, into 
that world of being recognised yeah. and stuff as well. And at that time as well, of course, we had places like um, Larry's Piano Bar, my favourite place in the world, yeah. you know. A GM, I've used to finish work at the club and I still have my suit on or something. <laughs> Could be seen at four o'clock in the morning, Larry's Piano Bar. Um, you know, I certainly had my days of, of having... I, I've had a good life, uh, absolutely. Um, so my, my, my career has served me both as well, but um, I suppose I just... You try to be the best version of yourself that you can be, and I come from a huge, big family that are very supportive and very giving, uh, and we were always taught how to work hard uh, and try and excel. Not excel, I wouldn't say that's not true, we were all just told to work hard. But for me, for whatever reasons and insecurities in growing up, I did always want to excel yeah. at what I want to do, you know, and there's a thousand reasons for that, you know. Um, so, Because I, I was always afraid of failure. I mean, that was the biggest thing that drove me throughout my whole life and, and my whole career. I needed that security, which when I when I found and have had that, then the charitable work became equally important, whether it was through Flax Trust or AWARE, or I used to sit on, on a few other boards. But the homeless one is... Homeless and AWARE are quite well mixed, and AWARE is adopted as our corporate charity yeah. for our group, Hastings Hotels. So we work quite well with them and in building a whole workforce mindfulness um, and well-being focus for my for our company mm. uh, and for the hotels and the people within it. Um, and then the homelessness just, it kind of bridges everything that's for those that are vulnerable in or in our society. Um, yeah. And they're not vulnerable dangers, they're vulnerable, I suppose they're more vulnerable and they're not a danger to others, but they're a they're at a danger um, to themselves, yeah, sure. you know, more than anything else. Yeah. And then again, you know, with the way that um, society has developed and the current economic environment, we get people that come that just can't afford. Mm -hmm. They're not earning enough money. They just come. Uh, I think Johnny, he was on the TV show, was just saying, you know, I don't earn enough. I come here. This is a wee community. And they can play pool or yeah. they don't have darts or anything. <laughs> fear, yeah. And there's a little bit of chaplaincy and stuff that goes on. So, yeah. so it's all good. Cool. So even for their own mental health, it's a great resource as well. Oh, you know, yeah. just somewhere to touch base exactly. and see similar yeah. people and mm -hmm. people that you know that were genuinely. Liz and her team. Honestly, they're 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 amazing people, amazing yeah. human beings. You know, I'm not an amazing; they're amazing human beings. Mm -hmm. I just assist where I can. That's all we can do. Exactly. All we can do. If you could go back in time to to anyone in Northern Ireland, dead or alive, so you don't have to go back in time, and you could take them out for a pint or a coffee or bottle of wine or whatever it is you're going Anybody for. Anybody in Northern Ireland. Who would you take and where would you take them? This Larry's Piano Bar sounds pretty good. No, <laughs> no, no, no it wasn't. I got, I got my knuckles wrapped once for taking a group of... Really? That, yeah. yeah, but it was I really was great fun. 
here in Northern <laughs> Ireland. Um, oh, wow. Well, Liam Neeson, I would certainly like yeah. to have a coffee with um, just, I'd always aspired to be an actor. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, 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 that was my first... How first, great you ended up on TV, hey? I know, that was my first big love in, in career. I had been a member of the National Youth Theatre of Great Britain, and I was only 16 when I went to London to do a few things. So it was always my ambition. But I think for him not only to come from Northern Ireland, but still to be, again, as humble... Yeah. You know, I haven't met Liam myself, but I know that he's been in and out of some of the properties. But he's had great longevity and was always true to his roots and how he managed that and to reinvent himself so often, I, I think, is really, really powerful. I think also maybe the aspirations of some of our politicians. I think that would be a really good conversation, particularly those that brokered the Good Friday Agreement, how they got it to the stage that they got it to, yeah. through the face of adversity. Though I lived through it, I don't think I really understood it. And, of course, retrospectively and historically, at the moment, because there's no executive, it would be quite interesting how they would tell the others to behave and act <laughs> in, order, in order to get things things going um, but yeah I think I think just art and literature I think Belfast Northern Ireland has a lot to offer mm -hmm. um, from loads of perspectives you know the quality of life that you could have the opportunities that we could have I think people come and see the city now and enjoy the vibrancy and look at the food and drink offering yeah. and the hospitality. I think that we're, we're still very, very strong for that. But I'm trying to think of one person. I'd really... I suppose I'd have Just to when you mention Liam Neeson, yeah. and this, you can crack me, I'm not 100% sure I'm right or not, but he normally would stay at the Culloden. And he has one request for a meal every time he stays at the club. Black pudding. Black pudding um, champ. Champ. Wow. So that is true. Urban legend. Unbelievable. Apparently black, it's just that's... Black pudding and I champ. I suppose like when you're away all the time and, and you I miss your some, own comforts. Yeah. And, and someone had greeted him when he did arrive and they just said welcome home. And he just loved all that. Yeah. But I think he's a massive affiliation to Northern Ireland. Oh, uh, totally. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I always remember the story about the black pudding and the champ. So off this place. So off this place. I'm going to wrap up. Anything from you, Jerry? No, no. Brilliant. It's been well, certainly a podcast I've been looking forward to for so long. Mm. It has been a pleasure. I know how busy of a man that you are. Yeah. Um, well, a wee bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you always make time for the right things. And you were, yeah. and you were trading the floorboards last night as well. I heard that Miss Northern Ireland last <laughs> night as chairman. I'm chairman of the judges and then obviously one of the key sponsors. But And Alison Clark, a.k.a. Alison Campbell, was home. So yeah, it was good fun to catch up with people as well. And it is always. But, and... The speed at which a year is going round is not Whew. very nice, oh, Mr. No, Jerry. It's, yes, no. do I know? I know. Unfortunately, I know yeah, all yeah. about it. We it's, are um, we are at that stage <laughs> where the cogs are going way too quickly. A month is like it's not even a month a week. It's yeah. like it just doesn't. You know, I think I was talking to Alison. It was something like that's my twentieth year, twenty third year. I go, 
really. It's but you're just, still so vibrant and young and still, buzzing. And well, I'm. I'll be fifty-eight, and you know, life. And I think you. The, and I think I said in our on the first half was that you, your passion and your love for the job changed through so much. Yeah. That's it. it it doesn't seem, what is it the guy says, if you love your work, you'll never do a day's work in your life. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I do love what I do, um, obviously because I like people and I yeah. do like to achieve as well. Um, and I suppose, I don't suppose, I know I'm only as good as my team. Yeah. You know, they, Would you make the team? Well... I make some good teams, yeah, I make yeah. some mistakes, and some teams like me, some teams don't. <laughs> um, but I think as I've got older, I mean, the best advice I could give anyone is, particularly when you get to oranges, you know, your truth, your truth. Yeah. If you remain to your truth, then that's that's great guidance. Yeah, no, that's, that's great, great yeah, guidance. No, really um, but yeah, no... Team, I, I am passionate about what I do and I love it when it's right and I love creating it but it's the people it's the people that make it it's your teams you can build the nicest bar in the world or the restaurant you have the wrong team in the wrong behaviour the wrong attitude then the experience won't be good yeah. and if that starts with me going through the rest of the company then I've got to be a good guardian yeah. of yeah, what that probably. looks like and feels like so, so probably my last question then would be... When am I retiring? The <laughs> 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 See, the thing is, when you do get time off, yeah. and you do go out, um, just, not even to me, just to go and have a, a drink, socialise, mm -hmm. what, what makes a good pub for you? That you can actually relax and oh, enjoy? Well, I, I wasn't... I, I, I haven't been... I went to Donegal or Downings just two weekends ago. Oh, Downings is class. I was with university friends and we just, we hired, we had this lovely bungalow or Irish cottage. Yeah. And a good pubs, the older pubs. Yes. The smaller pubs. Um, not the glitzy pubs. Um, and, and I honestly, in Belfast now and over the last few years, I would rarely be in a bar until I go home to Killyclaugher, yeah. um, to, to where my family are. Um, but I do, I do, if I'm out as well, I do like space as well. I think, and I am biased, but I think the observatory's very nice to go oh, for yes, a drink. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I like puppy pubs, you know, that sort of thing. The old older, traditional, the older traditional bars. Pubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I'm not working, um, I'm either with my family I have a very small circle of friends um, uh, and we tend to dine out you yeah. know as opposed to going to pubs now we, we would dine out or actually uh, or go to to each other's homes less my home <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm lucky I'm lucky because whenever they have dinner parties and it comes to my turn it was like oh how do I do this? Oh God, Van Morrison's on. I'll invite six of them to Van Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> That's me on the deal free. Very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, Brilliant. So I'm making up in other ways. Well, James, Jerry, as a gift for you. So, yes. Oh dear. As in the tradition. And my tradition. My favourite. My favourite thing in the world. Couldn't be without presenting you with oh, a bottle of your you. own job. Thank you so much. That was. <laughs> I actually have one of these. 
I would hope the, you had more than no, one. No, no, no. I, I, I have a few in my, in my thing, but I have one in the presentation box. Yes. Oh, unreal. That you gave to me on for doing your wedding. wedding. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I still have James it in this presentation box. the most amazing, amazing wedding day that I... Yeah, but, and I still have it. I decided not to open that one. Well, that one so for well a looked after. Yeah. Wow. And it was so important to me because... I'd met Claro in Europa. Yeah, yeah yes, met. that's right. Yeah, so the whole yeah. thing it was a whole came around co- and we started you, there and ended Don't you there. find that? And I know, Matthew, you're much younger. And I find it more and more as I age. Things from your past, your middle or your present, things come full circle. Yeah. It's quite frightening mm. how it can come full circle, um, either with friends or family or just some things. I don't know, all that six degrees or mm-hmm. apart stuff. But, but there was no doubt that you made a very wonderful, special day even more wonderful and mo- oh, that's good. more special and wonderful than and it could it, ever I be. I facilitated it, but the team yes. did it. Oh, they did, and we were so well that's looked after. Yeah. Conduit. From what conduit. I remember. I like that earlier. <laughs> I could be the conduit. <laughs> James, thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for the gin as yes. well. Yeah, It's been an absolute pleasure. Great, thanks. guys. Thanks, Roscoe, for producing. Thank you, yes, Roscoe, thank for you. taking the day off school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in school anyway. What do you mean? <laughs>